Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's a question for you. Who is your GOAT? You know what I mean. The greatest quarterbacks of all time. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Peyton Manning? Is it Joe Montana? Is it John Elway? Or is it none of these that I've just mentioned? Well, find out who I think is the GOAT. Get my ebook, Why Your GOAT Ain't Mine, for free right now on ColdSports.com. I said for free, Why Your GOAT Ain't Mine, the five greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, on ColdSports.com. So what are you waiting for? Go get it! Unfiltered, uncompromising, hard-hitting, inspirational, Cold Sports presents Conversations. Welcome to Cold Sports Conversations. I am Cole Johnson and I am so glad you're able to join us. An NBA trainer and an excursion to Israel? How does that correlate? Well, my next guest will be glad to explain how. He is the podcast host of The Long Short Way and an interesting, interesting man. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Mr. Matijahu Boren. He has become a fast friend of mine and a brother, and you'll see why. Because this is our conversation. Maddie, it is a pleasure to finally hook up and meet up with you. Same same back to you. All right, so I've, I've heard some things about your background, but I really want to dig further into it. Now, you're based out of Pittsburgh right now, am, am I correct? It, I am, yeah, exactly. Okay. Did you uh, grow up there? No, I, I did not. Um, first okay. off, just want to thank God for the opportunity to have somebody like you want to talk to me and share this message with other people. And, and second, thank you for uh, being so interested in really communicating with all cultures and, and, and backgrounds. So I, I'm not from Pittsburgh at all, from the opposite side in LA, specifically the Valley. And yeah, the Valley of California, great place, which I miss dearly, but I'm practicing what I preach, which I do tell everybody that grows up in the Valley. I think it's very important to leave. I, if you return, okay, but, but I think it's very important to leave at least a little bit. Okay, so Cali guy. All right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. So uh, did you grow up? Uh, almost every person that, that I talked to from Cali, at least from that area of, of California, uh, they, they seem to be a Lakers fan almost from birth. Like you, you, <laughs> you, you cut them open and they bleed purple. Uh, are you the same? Uh, yes. A little less these days just because with how busy I am and, and now, thank God, married and, and two kids, not so much time for it. Not And some people might say, well, it's probably because they're bad and that's not the case. And it's also not because Kobe left. It is just, you know, busy. Uh, they, they made a major mark on my life. I'll never forget the day that 
I was in second grade, 1996, when uh, the, the one of the last days of school, the Lakers drafted Kobe. I was seven years old. I'm 27 now. And uh, that was an amazing day. We didn't really know who, what, where, who he was at all. I even thought I heard he just talk. And from there, we really went on this interesting ride where Shaq joined um, and Kobe got better. And one of the craziest moments of my life was in that third quarter of that Portland Trailblazers series where... The Lakers were down by 17 or so in the third quarter, and I was crying, Dad, what the heck? I don't want them to lose. And and they came back, won. They went all the way, won the championship. And, and that was when the Kings had Weber and Jay Williams. The West Coast was pretty nutty then. Blazers were pretty intense. Man, they were very tough. Sabonis for Shaq, that was a very in- extreme matchup. And, and they really had a major impact, I don't think just on my life, but I really think on Los Angeles. Doing that three years in a row, uh, when you're a teenager, it's kind of like how in Pittsburgh, the Penguins winning really makes hockey blow up. Over there, it really made basketball a major part of my life. And I, I really, at that time was just something else. And I think when you have people that you're looking up to and they win, that, that can't ever hurt. Oh, definitely not. And in <laughs> and, and that series, that, that 2000 Western Conference Finals, it, <laughs> the the longer... I get away from it the more it seems that I hear the impact that that series alone made, not just really? as a sports fan, but yeah, but like you said, you know, as as a culture fan, you know how how much for some reason that series really impacts people. It, it was so it was very intense. Um, it was really intense. You know, that was all we really thought about, all we were looking forward to. I think the passion that they were playing with at that point, I think the Kings were extremely tough. I think the Lakers were, I think they were a little bit more graceful, but I think they were, you know, they were ready to get down and dirty with them. But it was just that all of those teams, and we can't forget, I mean, the Spurs were insanely good. Uh, They had just won the championship. And I'm trying to think who else really was on this side of the fence. Uh, I can't remember too much who else was good on in the West, but I just those, those Kings, the Spurs, and uh, and the Blazers. It, it was just so intense. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it was a good time when I when I think back on it. It was a really good time. So it's interesting that you're, you're talking about basketball, and one of the uh, occupations that you have been has been an NBA trainer. So what gravitated you toward being a trainer and then later a coach in basketball? So when my parents were eight, uh, they got di- they got divorced. Or I, when I was eight, I apologize. This mistake. Um, and before that, there had been challenges. And uh, it's interesting that you know we only did get together at this point because one of the things that my podcast has brought is just incredible amount of wise people to my life, and that really have taken a love and care for me. That and returned to the podcast. And uh, there's one person in particular named Rabbi Abe Cass, who's a marriage therapist. And I referred a few people to him that I knew were struggling dearly. And they came back to me a few weeks, some in some cases, the first session, telling me, you know what, I never thought my wife and I would be able to make it. Uh, thank you for doing that. And I said, wow, this is pretty insane. Like four people, you know, obviously we don't want four couples to do bad, but when, but four people to say that they, they're probably going to be married the rest of their life because of this. I had to see more in depth what was going on. And so... This last week, we actually just kind of concluded after a few months of working together and my wife really helping out that uh, that I show a lot of signs of someone with what's called attachment disorder. And 
So that comes from very early childhood. And I think the one interesting thing that it gives me that other people don't have is that when you don't have a, a developed sense of shame or a developed sense of empathy, a lot of times you, you don't see what other people see. In fact, mostly most of the time you don't. So for me, what that led to was just a life of really believing that anything that I wanted to do was possible. Uh, when my parents got divorced, things got really, really rocky. Uh, I had a, thank God, luckily enough, had a Persian friend of mine who started bringing me over to their house for Shabbat dinner, which is a Friday night to Saturday night Jewish ritual where we keep the Sabbath. Six days a week you work and one day a week you rest. They were not what I am today, which is uh, really following it to the T, I might maybe you say, um, as a Hasidic Jew, but there, or like we're now, I'll have electricity off for 25 hours, uh, no driving, no TV. Next week, I will not watch the Final Four on Saturday. Um, all that kind of good stuff. And But they did bring me this joy, light, and beauty on Friday night dinners. And uh, I never really heard about God and, and kind of all of a sudden just started to believe everything I, I heard. And I, at the same time, Put over to a Jewish private middle school again, not a religious one, but for me, anything with the word God really became this—I uh, guess you might say—novelty, and I really believed it. Every single thing I heard. So for all the other kids that would go, they 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 knew bar mitzvahs, they knew uh, Shabbat dinners, they knew Yom Kippur, all the things that you might even heard of that I, as a Jewish kid, never even knew of. And so what that did for me was just started to when I might be alone. Or, or really through a hard time to start saying, you know, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking and start asking for a lot of help. And unfortunately, things did not get better before, <laughs> before they got worse. And I ended up in, uh, I couldn't function in school. Uh, I couldn't function almost anywhere. I had a few nice friends and I, I believe that they all knew very well what was going on and uh, ultimately got um, sent to a school in Provo, Utah for people that are just not functioning very well. And the thing is, I knew this whole time and to this day that I don't think, I always thought like, you know, there's not, there's not something wrong with me. There's not something wrong with me. There's got to be, you know, there's got to be an explanation for this. So this last week has just brought me so much blessing and clarity to know what I need to be working on in life, what I need to focus on. And the there's two things that right now that I'm focused on very intensely, which is one um, thing, a phrase that I just thought of for this journey called, um, removing the blinders and then the second is that imagine kobe bryant trying to play basketball with his left hand tied behind his back so what i what i'm dealing with is nothing chemical nothing i was born with but but yet a major major weak muscle so from there i got out of that school and my aunt happened to be going out with a guy named aaron mince's father aaron mince now is one of the top sports agents in the nba but then he was pretty much a nobody and we got together for some lunch, and he really get, gave me a lot of advice. And that was following one of my major principles uh, throughout my life, including in the hard times, which is make for yourself a mentor. Because if somebody else has done it before, there's no need to try to make the mistakes they made if you can pass that on to the next generation. And so one of the things he told me was he went to University of Michigan, and he was a manager. So I was like, well, I am not going to Michigan, unfortunately. You know, I just came from this school and <laughs> I'm kind of having to start from scratch. So I was at the junior college and said, you know what, I'll try out for the team. But realistically, in the school in Utah, I did not have the privilege to play or continue my high school basketball career. 
but I worked out every single day. And, and what I did in Utah actually was just read a ton of books. Like my, my, uh, presence growing up were books from John Wooden, DVDs on how to run his offenses, all sorts of stuff like that. That's all I cared about. Pete Maravich, you know, you ever heard of a 12 year old kid these days studying him? Not really. But for me, I would watch day in, day out, read his stuff, read everything I could read. And what that did blindly, not even knowing what it would do, was when I went to this junior college, that season actually, <laughs> I saw the, the college basketball magazine the next year showing not just all the Division One schools, but junior college and everything. And our, our team actually, out of the whole entire country, out of Division One, Two, Three, and NAIA One, Two, and junior college, national, and whatever, we were the worst team in the entire country out of every college basketball team in the country we were two and 27 um it was god awful but it had me moving and, and a lot of activity going and i was learning a lot of new drills i was a part of a team i was traveling and it was giving me a lot to do but the pivotal moment was that the coach really wanted to get his game up and started recruiting from out of the state and brought these three kids in that one a big a big guy another one a 6'3", Iverson-like kind of guy, except for a 45-inch vertical. You know, nothing too crazy. <laughs> but uh, And then another point guard. And I just started taking them to my gym, started working them out because they weren't allowed to actually practice with the team by law or whatever the you call the NCAA rules. And this guy one day walks in and with a southern accent says, boy, what in the f*** are you doing? And I turn around like, what? Who's talking to me? And it's this guy who now is one of my big brothers and best friends named Coach Steve Campbell. And so he's he's looking at the situation like there's this 35 pound overweight Jewish kid with curly hair training these, as I may say, three black men, one very huge, six foot eight, 250 pounds, another one definitely taller than me, six, three, who's dunking out of the dunking like you wouldn't believe. And then another one and just didn't maybe look right. So we start talking and, and it turns out that he went to Hall High in Little Rock, which is actually where my mother went, but just a bit before him. And we just got really close. He saw, he saw something. He just, for him, what he says now is it didn't make sense to, to him that there was this Jewish kid for no money helping some black kids. And I think when you look at that, I'm very blessed to have these blinders in a sense because I've never seen color. I've never seen anything like that. I only see the heart and I just really have a lot of love to give. We started really working with these guys. It, things didn't work out for them. They had to go back home and all these things. But what it did do was give me a vessel to operate out of. And I met these guys named the Pump Brothers who run a lot of grassroots basketball things out in LA. I bothered them every single day in the gym for six weeks because on Yahoo Sports, there was an article about them. And I'm like, you know, I recognize them from my gym. And I came up to them and said, hey, I'd love to work for you. Well, they said, we have nothing for you. And I did that again the next day. Next day, next day, next day. I got their numbers from somebody else. I started texting them every day. But finally, after six weeks, they invite me to something. They, I, I call them again. They said, you know what? We have something for you. And it's not glorious, but we have something. They, our mother wants us to revisit our youth basketball camp because she said we're not, we're not staying humble enough and we need to get back to our roots. So we'd like for you to run that for us. So I start sitting out there at the local parks for four hours a day watching games and just passing up flyers at the end of the games. They got 125 kids to come. They were really happy. And one afternoon, just said, hey, hey, get in my car. And all of a sudden, we're at the W when the Lakers are playing the Celtics in the championship. And we pull up, and there's Doc Rivers, Kevin Garnett, everybody saying hi to my boss. 
And I'm like, you know what? This is kind of crazy. <laughs> and so I was 19 years old at the time. Meanwhile, then their, their summer camps are beginning where they have these travel teams which feature, uh, at that time, guys like Kawhi Leonard of the Spurs, Derek Williams. Uh, these are guys that I, I was coaching, working with, and that's the level that they were playing the game at. So really got in there very deeply and at the same time was bringing a lot of those guys to Coach Steve to get physically trained. And he, at the same time, got the opportunity to start working with some potential second rounders. And we started synergizing and growing things together to the extent that it really got very nutty. Uh, my phone in college began ringing about 30 to 75 times an hour from people like Sean Miller, pretty much any big time college coach wanting to know what's going on in Los Angeles. And so that was all very quick. That was within two years of graduating this school. And so I found myself during the lockout on the court with Paul George, John Wall, uh, Reggie Jackson, Tunt, Chandler Parsons. These are all guys we trained for the draft and came back for a couple of years for offseason training. And then there was a pivotal shift in my life going to Israel. Wow. And we haven't even gotten to the meat of it yet. <laughs> and you transitioned beautifully into what I wanted to ask you, which is you became a young trainer and a coach and you helped train many uh, NBA, well, college and pro players. Now that life is exciting for, and you said you were earlier, you said you were 27. So this is happening when you were younger. So that life would be exciting for any person, any guy in his early 20s. So what made you leave being an NBA trainer? Uh, the, I think that most one of the most pivotal moments really came after that. Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Del Demps. He's the manager of the Pelicans was coming to LA. He had just got the job as the manager and he knew that that meant for me a lot because obviously the connections, the stature, the stature, the status, all these things put him in a position to be able to help me more. And with graduation looming, obviously sitting there wondering what would I do? And I was scheduled for a trip to birthright on is in Israel. And I just canceled it. I, I had this whole plan with my rabbi and I just canceled it. He said, I'm coming in for a day. And I thought, you know what? This can be the, my break, my make or break day. And he came. And I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it was exciting. And obviously, I shouldn't take that for granted that, that I was in that kind of position. Uh, totally don't take it for granted. But it, it didn't produce any kind of fulfilling results for me. And I believe that nothing would have. There is nothing, you know, not, not even hiring me as the assistant manager of the team would have, would have really done it. Uh, and I just felt so bad and I said that I would never do something like that again, really. And next year came around, went to graduated, went to Israel and stayed there for two years. When you got to Israel, what made you want to dive headlong into uh, the Torah? So more than diving into the Torah, what I wanted to do was just understand why I was born. And, uh, that, that, comes through learning the Torah, but I didn't know that then. I What I did was I did this little exercise that I imagine myself as an 85-year-old rocking on a chair and thinking about if I don't go and I don't spend significant time, how would I look back at myself? And I said, there's no way. There's no way I could be happy with that because where is basketball going to go? And as we see clearly, it's still here. It's not going to go anywhere. But this will because once I get going... And once I do whatever I do in life, the opportunity to just go sit and have no responsibilities is, is never going to be there again. Judaism is not a religion. As much as there are ritualistic practices, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with our creator. And there's the, the reason that there's actions around 
are because these are what God needs from us. And uh, that was an interesting thing to understand and hear that God needs from us. I would never even thought that, you know, mass, uh, the, the big the big way of thinking and the, the major way the world thinks is that God does not need us. So I approached the situation like I want to learn. I want to I want to learn in Hebrew. I want to know how to connect to the text and sources that were made for me and became very it was a very successful very successful uh, visit learned hebrew very very quickly and i think accomplished a lot there mm. you know it just touching on what you said at the end of that uh one of the scriptures that definitely lets me know that god needs us is the one in in the bible where it says now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that you could ask or ever think and a lot of people just stay there and they don't go for it with the rest of the scripture which is according to the power that works within you and you know the holy spirit is supposed to work within us so there right there is the understanding that well god does need us we're his hands we're his eyes we're his feet you know we're supposed to take forth the charge of what god gives us to make the world better so I'm glad you said that, you know, because I, I really do agree that God needs us, but <laughs> we definitely need God a whole lot more than he needs us. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not fool myself into thinking <laughs> the opposite more so. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. It's definitely not to show that that we that we don't need him. It's just that it's I think that a lot of people don't think the way you're talking. They mostly think that we need him. And that's not a relationship because. No. A relationship means I need you and you need me. Right. No question. No question. No question. All right. So you've worked with athletes and obviously being in Israel and actually before you even got there, you've worked with a lot of rabbis and learned from a lot of them. What are the similarities have you seen with how athletes and how rabbis go about their days? So it's very, very orderly and orderly in the sense that there's a schedule and that the schedule doesn't define them, though. It's something that's going to get them connected with their mission. Yeah, and that's important. And <laughs> that really is important. Yeah. So now how do you tie in sports with spirituality? Because uh, I'm trying to drive down similar lane as you are. And I want to see how, how you do that. So how, to you, does your faith in God and your love of sports uh, mesh. So right now, I'm not involved in sports directly, other than a few little things. But uh, what what everything in the world is, though, is a tool. So nothing. If we look at everything as not an end in of itself, and that really as a tool to be used, then we have it all correct. Because in this physical world, we're supposed to make it into a place for God to dwell and live. So sports, what it has, it has unique abilities. So whatever it is, whether it's sports or real estate, we need to look at its essential properties and see what things does it have that can be used to do something good. Because not everything has to be like keeping the Sabbath. Not everything has to be a, a commandment from the Bible. But even then, when you start looking at, well, if I play a game and the first thing I do or when I get interviewed by a reporter is say, thank you, God, first. Or if it's that I, I show a very good attitude and demeanor and that my sportsmanship 
is there, then then that is very godly. And and we don't need to think that these small actions aren't important. They're so important, and they can change the world. So when we say we want to make the world a godly place, we mean that we want everybody to know that God is the creator of heaven and earth, and that should change all of our actions. So with sports, before I went to Israel, though, I really thought it was my my mission. I thought it was very divine thing that to help basketball players go to college and get an education, many cases being the first person in their family to do that. Uh, that's very godly. And I'm not just saying that to toot my horn. I'm saying that for you and, and anybody listening to, to really think about wherever they are, if you're in an office space, if you have a job, all of the, the little things. And, and trust me, it's not it's not just uh, you that has this question. Even in my community, it's very people are very confused. Uh, well, if I have a job or I'm in business, how do I make, how do I connect that with God? And, and the, it's more than anything, instead of looking at how the things are connected, we want to look at how, how are we connected? Because if we're connected and, and we go through this, what do you want to call daily, whatever it is, just helping ourselves get to that thought process of what does God need for me? Then you just are going to be that servant. A servant doesn't turn on and off. A servant's just on. So that means if I'm in Buffalo, New York, or if I'm in Los Angeles, California, or Thailand, I, I am this servant. I am this believer. It's not that I go to the, the to the basketball game and all of a sudden I turn off, I turn that button off. And when we get there, all these other questions become obvious answers. So that sports to me is so godly in the sense that first off, it's one of the most popular things to do in the world to watch, to play. All these, it, you're talking. A, a thing that has access to so many people's minds and hearts. So if we can just use it as a tool to realize the back end, right? Not the thing of in itself. We're not becoming good basketball players just to become good basketball players. Like Russell Westbrook, you know, you don't need to just be this intense person who's just focused and, and just be to yourself. You need to be a hero to kids. You need to change the next generation. You need to use your platform to help people. You need to stop with the bad attitude. And it's not just him. It's any of these guys. Don't talk crap during games. Don't do that. Don't talk back to the refs. Then we have a godly realm right there. And and it really can change that quickly. Because the one thing that we, we know for sure is the next generation is a clean slate. Maybe ours isn't, but the next is. And so if we just make the next generation a godly generation, we've all done a great, thi- a great thing in the world. And we've, all, we've all really played our parts well. So more than anything, the, the one question I would ask and I would have anybody ask is how can we help the next generation through this tool? So the, all these stars have such a, a powerful mission at their hands. And, it, and it's really not going and taking shoes to their old school. That's nice. I, I'm not going to ever downplay that. But when you're on the public platform, praise him. Thank him. You know, don't, I understand reporters are obnoxious and I understand all that. And you know, you're saying you're focused, but we want to help those people who are watching us like our, you know, like their life depends on it, right? Like how many kids love these basketball players? That's why Stephen Curry's just done such an incredible job uh, of really making people understand his intentions and what he's really trying to do. Because when you look at it, these guys spend way more of their life not playing sports professionally than they do professionally. So it's not about what are you going to do before or what are you going to do after? It's just who are you? What kind of person are you? Why is a guy like Mark Jackson just such an amazing human being? Why was I so lucky to spend so much time with him? And, and why was he so instrumental in my life? Because it's just whether he was playing or whether it was after. 
he's a believer, and that's and he started a church in the valley. It blew up incredibly, and he's he's just such a made such a massive impact on so many people's lives that didn't go to church. And and let's be honest here: do you think a lot of people probably went for the first time because it was Mark Jackson preaching? Of course. But since when was that wrong? Since when was it bad to get somebody to to pray to God based on something like that? That's called leverage. We use that in business. We use that everywhere. So I think the the major answer is. How can we use this tool to help the next generation? How can we use our platform to spread the appropriate message for the appropriate place and time that we're in? All I know is Russell Westbrook needs to stop wearing the clothes he's wearing. Oh, I'm sorry, that is not godly. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but the piggyback of what you're saying, uh, you're talking to a huge Stephon Curry and a huge Mark Jackson fan. I have, I have loved them. Both of them, since I, I saw e- both of them get into the NBA, and yeah, it was it was their play that drew me to them. And then after when I when I saw how they were as basketball players, I dug deeper into their own platform. And when I realized that they both were believers, and both of them are Christians, it endeared me even more. And I'm like, okay, every time I see them on screen, I want to have, I want the favor of God to be on both of them because I want them to be a light to anyone who sees or hears either one of them so yeah it, it's it's beautiful and, and like i said i have a huge amount of respect for both mark jackson and stephon curry the long short way that is the name of your podcast so you said that you re- you received that title from the torah mm-hmm. uh, what motivated you to call your podcast the long short way so anytime that you have a decision to make it usually boils down there's obviously more than two decisions sometimes, but it usually is going to come back to maybe one or, or two ways to go at the end. And there's a story that the sage was walking and he came to this fork in the road. And he, on one one hand, he sees a, a long, long, clear path. On the other hand, he sees the city. On the other path, he sees the city. But in between him and the city is all these bushes and, and everything that might be in the way. And so there's a kid sitting at the edge of this cliff where both the paths begin and he asked the kid, how, how do I get to the city? And he says, well, this way is pointing to the long path. This is the long but short way. And pointing to the bushy path, this is the short but long way. So the rabbi goes down that way and comes back, kind of scratched up a little bit and, and says, excuse me, kid, I, I thought I thought you said that this was the short way. And he said, right, the short but long way. And what happens is we have this decision to make. What are the ramifications of it? You know, what are, what are really, what, what really is going to come out of it? And so I call it that because in everything that we do from our spirituality, our relationships, our productivity and our health, there's always this exact question. So if it comes to your fitness, you know, are you taking on a diet or are you going to think about a life plan for your, for, for your money making side of life? Are you, are you thinking about what are you going to do next year or how are you going to pay the bills? Or are you going to thinking about what are you going to do for your life? And, and same when it came down to going to Israel for me, like, Really, that was the long short way is do you want to know the answer to these questions and do you want to try to have this experience or do you want to uh, just get right down to business and start with this basketball stuff? And like you said, a lot of young guys, truthfully, would think it's pretty cool. You know, when I was sitting at Cheesecake Factory with Jerry West, apparently one of my friend's parents were there and started texting him like WTF is, is Madisya who's sitting with uh, Jerry West. All of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up from all my friends like how what what would it? So yeah, you know, it could be pretty cool to sit with Jerry West and talk to him and, and have him know your name. But I would have never known. You know, I wouldn't have my family right now. Don't desire the shortcut side of things. 
But does that mean we don't take shortcuts? No, of course we do. In fact, the shortest point between uh, two dots is the line that goes between them. So the rabbi that had go all the way down the bushy path and then come back and then go the other way, it would have actually been the shortcut to go the long short way. The long short way is a shortcut because you're going to get there. So once we figure out the path to get there, we go through it. Now we want to all of a sudden figure out, okay, is this the best and most efficient process that that's possible to take? And if not, how do we start speeding it up? But we want these things to be non-fumble. We don't want to fumble along the way. We want it to be process-oriented. We want to know what we're going to do. And we want to then measure so that we can manage. So that if you're an internet marketer, what are the numbers coming to your website? What are the conversions? And on a week, daily, weekly, monthly basis for people, um, if you're trying to lose weight, not to be obsessed with the numbers, but understand what the numbers are. They're only a measurement tool. You know, Coach Steve, working with him, got me to pretty much dunk a basketball. And uh, I got really cocky. I'm like, man, you know, that's pretty cool. So we're doing these box jumps, and I, I, they challenged me. Go do this big one. Steve's so like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I tried to jump it. I hit the hit the corner side of it, and my shin had this major imprint. I'm talking like I've never seen something like that. Imagine your shin going about an inch and a half down and in to make a curve. So um, I realized right there, dunking wasn't what's important. Being athletic was. Being healthy is important. And I stopped doing that. And I just did my moderate level of, of, of working out. I stopped focusing on jumping. And I focused more on being a healthy body again because that was, to me, I was like, what was stressing me out was that if I would not work out literally for one day, I couldn't dunk again the next day. And it would take me two weeks again to do it. And I'm, this is crazy. I'm chasing, I'm chasing something ridiculous here because if I'm, if I, if I take one day off from working out and I can't dunk the next day, that, that tells you something. That's not, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. <laughs> and so the long short way is I got set up by, by coach Steve because the way I think is if I had a bad day today, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. It's not a day by day thing for me. I just know that I'm going to work out, be healthy for the rest of my life. So the long short way to me represents this decision making ability to be able to see what you're really going for, making a plan for that and sticking with it. The shiny objects in life are this, these things that just really honestly they, they they're killing so many of us. <laughs> no question about that. Uh yeah, the there is this image and I I believe you've seen this. Uh this diagram of this is what success really looks like and this is what's this is what people think success is, so of course, what they think success is, it's like what you said. It's, it's a point, an elevated point from where you start to where you end up. And it's a straight line. Right. But <laughs> what success really looks like, you have this line that starts off straight upward. And then all of a sudden you see this scribble and, 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 and lines are intersecting and colliding and clashing with one another. And then you see the link to the top. And I really believe a lot of us would like to have that. And you said it earlier. A lot of us like to have that easy road where it's, you know, you, you go in a straight line from one, one point to the other and that's successful because you don't have the bruises and the scars. But unfortunately, life will take you through bruises and scars because how else will you learn if you, if you don't make many mistakes or if you don't put yourself out there? Because when you put yourself out there, sometimes it will hurt severely at times, you know, so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I love that long, short way. And I, I saw that. I said, that is a question I have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's another one that I saw. Okay. And I have to ask you what this means. What, sure. what does, if you're not getting inspired, you're getting expired mean to you? 
So what that means is that when you understand that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world, that there's certain laws that that are applicable to both. In the physical world, everything is very linear and measurable. Sorry, combine the words for a second. (laughs) But everything is measurable and linear. And there's two points. But in the spiritual world, there's not. It's infinite. And we need to understand a little bit more on a daily basis and become sensitive to, to who this God that we that we were created by is. It's an infinite person, infinite, infinite being who has no rules, no measures, but at the same time does have rules and does have measures because that's how infinite he is. If he would not be measurable and if he would not have rules to fo- that he has to follow as well, then he would actually not be infinite. He'd be finite because that would mean he'd be defined. He's not. And what that means is in this, in, in, in our world, what we have to understand is that actually, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If you're not, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. It's, there's no such thing as staying in place. That's not, we are, we are not God. And that's not how it's going to work for us. We are people that he put in the world. And if we're not making progress, you're, you are making the opposite. That's, that's how it works in this physical world. Uh, if you look at life, like this is a, a lifelong commitment to to fulfilling your purpose and mission which every single one of our purposes and mission is to make this world a home for god now if you have a sports show where you talk and have people like me come on you're doing that and if you have listeners that have a job whatever it is what is the thing that you can do to make this world a godly place what can you look forward to so if if you're going to retire from your job what kind of missions can you take on and i don't mean mission like a christian mission to Zimbabwe, which that obviously is an amazing thing. It's just sometimes people hear something and they think, you know, so I just want to explain myself when I say this. A mission is just like the army. You make a, you make a task, you go do it. So what can, what tasks can you define? What, what, what things can you just take on? Just go do them. And I also mean this even in, even if you're just a person with a job, don't wait till later when you have the time. Make the time now. Become a person that this mission of making this world a godly place is so important to you that you can literally you can literally burn the bridge to your job and create something new and figure out a way to make money on it. So, because ultimately right now we're in this time and it's funny as a Jewish person to, to really think about it. I was talking about this last night with somebody. Somebody's asking me like, why, you know, why are you so adamant about what you're doing? And I said, you know what? When I look back at the history of the Jewish people, the Romans, the Persians, the Greeks, uh, Germany recently, all, all of these, uh, Spain, Spanish Inquisition, all these nations that have tried to kill us. You know, we've never had an opportunity as, as a people to share with the world what our message to the world is, which is that God is created. It's a very simple message. God is the creator of the heaven and the earth. He needs us to do. And he, needs to, he needs us to make this world a home for him. And that's what we got to do. We've never had this opportunity as a nation of people. So that's what drives me so, so, so crazy to be this into it. Because I have a microphone, I have a computer, and nothing's stopping me from, from doing that. Whereas, you know, some family members of mine and many other Jewish people had her, that, that infamous knock on your door in, in Nazi Germany, which meant you got to go. We don't face, I don't face that. And so I want to take advantage of that. Not because I'm saying Jewish pride, but because I'm saying world pride, God pride. You and me are talking here and we're, and we're going to be friends because there's the, that's a deeper mission that we all have. And so if you're not getting inspired, you're getting expired. So get inspired by thinking about what does God need from you? So don't put it past him to give you an insight. There's no possible way to be to, to to be happy while you're ignoring your calling. Not the easiest thing to do, but man, is it so rewarding when you actually do give in and do that. 
I can spend all day talking with you about this, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately I can't. So uh, where can my VIPs find you? So uh, the VIPs are a good person to try to come find me. Um, I There's a couple of different things. It's one, the podcast. Uh, we interview experts in spirituality, relationships, productivity, and health. Uh, the one thing we didn't address is why I started it. I'll make that very quick. I started it just so you, so you and other people know why to, why to listen to it because I got home from Israel as this believer and was listening to different podcasts and, and had a hard time finding people that resonated with me, but I still listened and that really benefited a lot. But ultimately one day I was in the gym listening to this podcast and the, the interviewer asked the other guy, who would you tell your 20 year old self? And he says, you know, I would tell my 20 year old self to divorce my wife earlier. And so I, I said, you know what? I'm tired of sending this stuff to my friends because they, you know, th- thank God I have the ability to maybe see through it, but still it affects you. You don't want to hear that stuff. And so I started it because of that. And so everybody, you know, like yourself included, when we'll publish the episode that you come on the long short way, uh, everybody is, I, I won't just say a believer because that's not fair, but everybody's going to give you tools to fulfill your mission. So even if it's somebody who's not a believer, they're expert and they're an amazing person. And that expert might be, the expertise might be in entrepreneurship. It might be in data science. It might be in technology. It might be in relationships. But even the relationships, I won't lie. It's going to be, I'm not going to really bring people in that don't believe in God because I don't think the relationship advice would be that great. Um, but in terms of entrepreneurship, in terms of technicalities and real tools for things, uh, and this is a great place to come because we'll be talking about all of that. And it's they're all tools to really fulfill your mission. So in a lot of ways, it's like how Tim Ferriss interviews random people and really getting their expertise. It just you're going to you're going to spend a little bit more time around God on the long short way than than you might other places. And uh if you're if you're interested in what we talked about today, have an idea of a mission that you want to do or or you're trying to make some changes in life and you're looking for a coach, which I define as somebody who uh, holds you accountable and ultimately uh actually the Bible commands it in saying that you need to make for yourself a mentor and that God will bless you in all that you do. Um uh, just somebody that could be there for you to help you that understands this that studied spirituality and is in business himself and you can check me out at lswcoach.com and go apply there if you think that that might be if i might be somebody that could help you in your life um and i think that's an amazing place to start uh my email is matisyahu at the longshortway.com m as in matthew m-a-t-i-s-y-a-h-u at the longshortway.com and if you have any input, thoughts, or ideas about this interview or things that you might want to see happen on the long short way, shoot me any kind of email. Uh, I, I do that for a reason. I want to. I'm. I'm not the expert. I'm. I host experts, and uh, the audience is my number one expert because they're the ones that know the problems out there that I'm. That that ultimately I want to solve. So appreciate you asking me. How can people find us? And I think that might be the best way. Oh no problem. And there will be a. These will also be on the on the show notes, so you can go go there and you can click on the links that you see, and you can talk to or reach out to or partake in this important platform. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Matejahu Gordon, and it's an honor to call you friend. It's an honor to be it's an honor to be honored to be a fellow believer along with you, and I'm so glad that I am joined with you. To bring, as you said so eloquently, God closer to earth. I am so honored that I make this journey along with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. And, uh, it, you know, I, this is very special, and you're a very special person. So I 
it's very rare to to be able to meet people that understand and relate to you when you're when you do believe and and because obviously all good has a lot of challenges and so we should uh merit to work through these challenges uh not not see the negativity but see the positivity and potential and ultimately see the reward of having god home and which when once he returns it'll be an eternity and and life will be good so we all just need to hang in there a little bit and, and get that work in because he's he's ready to come back. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cole. Thank you so much. That is NBA trainer and the podcast host of The Long Short Way, Matashahu Gorin. I, I really enjoyed my time speaking with him. It was, it was a pleasure and I hope he blessed you too, as he has me. Continued success along with Many, many, many prayers go out to him. If you happen to like this episode or any episode you've heard thus far, a regular show, a special or an interview, why don't you come follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore sports. That's sports with a Z. You can also follow me on Facebook. Come along. Cole sports. That's sports with a Z. Make your voice heard. Make your presence felt. Come on down to the Cold Sports VIP room. Either search in groups, in Facebook, or go to the show notes and click on the Cold Sports VIP room link. Cold Sports again. Sports with a Z. My Canadian friends, I got you. Sports with a Z. You can also follow me on social media platforms galore. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google Plus, iTunes, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, Acast, TuneIn, Blueberry. Like, share, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the retweets. Send them, send them, send them. I hear you. I read all of them. Thank you. Most importantly, follow this brand and any episode that you hear of mine on ColdSports.com. That's ColdSports.com. You can check out this episode and any previous one on ColdSports with the Z dot com. And no matter where you hear this show, how you listen to this show, or when you do, I want you to do this one simple thing, and that is always to enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson bringing to you sports on another level, and this is yet another Cole Sports presentation of Conversations. And as always, keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.